people are so sad that you're and we're like who told you that is the customers come here and they're like we can't go to Aroma anymore so it's nice to know in that way but unfortunately it has to make sense to keep running you know and it did not and it served its that's time. what it sounded like January 2nd at the only kosher Aroma espresso bar in Canada for nearly seven years it operated at Bathurst and Wilson in Toronto but on this day there were no customers for Michel Biton to serve only a moving truck. Her family's Aroma franchise is now closed. The sign is down. The outdoor patio gone too. Their franchise was one of the 35 remaining locations in Canada of the popular Israeli coffee chain. And it's not the only Aroma outlet that has closed recently. But Michel Biton's family store faced special challenges, not to mention the pandemic. So the problem was the people who were not kosher who came here didn't understand why we didn't have half the menu cheese and meat and you know, that things were different and they would sort of take that as a you know and the ones that did I mean they were happy and they were still coming but it's hard when it's a franchise because you can't amend anything you can't add what you want you can't alter the menu you can't introduce new things like you know so I mean it's not that it had a reason it's just one thing that I would keep in mind if for anybody else that would be doing a franchise like a limited franchise like that but those are limitations on top of the fact of being closed on Shabbat and on holidays and servicing a Jewish market. As the movers took away some of the store's fixtures, they couldn't have known that just a few days later, legal hearings would be underway at Ontario's Superior Court of Justice in Toronto over a $10 million dispute that's pitting the original investors who brought Aroma to Canada about 15 years ago against Aroma's head office in Israel. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, February the 8th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Aroma burst onto the Canadian coffee scene after 2007 with their fresh Middle Eastern fare, pillowy sandwiches, and those tiny chocolates that you get with each coffee. The Aroma brand won the hearts and stomachs of cafe-goers across Toronto, especially in Jewish neighbourhoods like Thornhill. And before long, the chain had opened 45 locations and had plans to double that. Earl Gorman is the Toronto businessman with real estate credentials who first bought the rights to operate Aroma in Canada. He put in a couple of million dollars of his own money, hired a team and a manager, Anat Davidson, she became a shareholder too, and soon locations were rented and sub-franchisees brought in to run the sites. A decade later, though, by 2017, Aroma Canada found itself in big financial trouble. They weren't turning a profit and they badly needed to cut costs or find a rich partner or maybe even sell. For Gorman, the main sticking point was the coffee. Aroma Israel insisted it had to come from the company's private roastery in Israel, the way 80% of the menu does. But Gorman felt Aroma's coffee was too expensive, and he proposed finding other suppliers. They had tasting sessions. Both sides hired lawyers. Gorman hired a consultant, including a Tim Hortons veteran, but the relationship broke down. Aroma Israel felt Gorman misled them and made bad business decisions, and even went to war when he canceled further coffee shipments. The dispute first went to legal arbitration, to hear all sides. And in his report, which came out last year, the arbitrator said the dispute came to a head because of, quote, hard-nosed, commercially unreasonable conduct of the parties, unquote. And he put nearly all the blame on Aroma Israel, 
and ordered they pay out more than $10 million in damages to Aroma Canada for breaching the contract and for other costs. There were other issues too, and we'll get into these coming up, including why the Israeli headquarters is appealing. But for his part, Gorman himself is long done with running Aroma Canada, and Davidson, his former manager and shareholder, she quit in 2018 and now runs Chipotle's restaurants in Canada. Neither she nor Gorman is giving interviews at the moment, but the lawyer who represents them and Aroma Canada is Alan Dick, and he is, and he joins me now from Toronto to help explain the latest legal developments. Basically, the adjudicator came down hard on on the Israeli head office saying you basically acted in a very uh, unfair way to this Canadian investor who brought Aroma to Canada and basically was the largest outside of Israel in terms of the number of franchises, right? There were a couple in the States, a couple in Ukraine, but basically Canada was number two in terms of their growth. Right. I I would put some of those comments in a different way. So um, Canada was a success story in terms of its growth and in terms of its reception to the public. And it was all as a result of the efforts made by um, Annette and Earl and the efforts of the franchisees. Um, And uh, of course, they had certain products that they were able to sell, um, which were uh, which were which were positive to the entire experience. But Aroma in Israel had, had very poor success in, in trying to expand outside of Israel. Um, it, it had not made a go of it in the US, it had not made a go of it in various other countries. But it had a factory that was producing coffee in Israel, which was under capacity. And so it was very important for Aroma Israel as a supplier of coffee to continue to make profits not just from its share of the royalties that would be paid from Aroma Canada to Aroma franchise, but from the supply of coffee. And that was what Aroma Israel was determined to protect were those coffee profits. And this was the main issue. Uh, Aroma Canada wanted Aroma Israel to participate in efforts to bring down the price of coffee for the benefit of the system and what wanted to look at different ways in which this could be achieved. And what Aroma Israel had said was, we'll help, uh, we'll look at the situation, we'll do what we can, but in fact, didn't come to Canada, didn't do what they said they would do. Then they denied that Aroma Canada had the right to try to seek out other suppliers and denied that they had the contractual right to do so, which the arbitrator found Aroma Canada did have the right to do. They were not the exclusive suppliers of coffee for all time. And at that point in time, when Aroma Israel said, we have to protect our coffee profits, they then undertook an effort to try to preserve the system for themselves, including trying to deal with the franchisees even before the termination was effective. And then they pounced right after the termination to, again, we'll say win the hearts and minds of the franchisees by offering them these benefits so that they would go along with Aroma, Fran- Aroma Franchise as a new franchisor. And so that's, that's, that's the sequence of events. Now, Aroma Israel was taking the position that they had the right to do this, um, but Aroma Canada said they did not. And so the battle really was at that level between Aroma Canada and Aroma Israel over who actually had what rights. And the arbitrator was very concerned about what Aroma Israel did and how they did it. He also, maybe you could speak to the, the emotional cost of this negotiation back and forth. Some mention in, in these judgments were about how Earl's uh, was got very emotional, maybe a little aggressive, and that the Israelis weren't so nice either because their livelihood is at stake. He had a huge investment 
in financial investment as well as his his years and time and reputation in making a Roman Canada big, did he not? Absolutely. And and Earl's only interest was improving Aroma Canada for the benefit of the franchisees itself and ultimately Aroma Israel. The, the primary way that he saw it and the primary way that the, that the consultant saw it was we have to bring down the price of coffee. Um, Earl is a big proponent of products from Israel. And he was one of his main reasons for getting involved in, in this whole um, franchise system was to promote the sale of Israeli products into Canada. But of course, it always had to be on reasonable commercial terms. And, um, and they tried. They tried for years. And the Israelis felt the problems were otherwise. They felt that some of the management of Aroma Canada and some of the, some of the decisions it took were more at fault for why there were profitability issues than necessarily the price of coffee. But the price of coffee was, was obvious. It, it, was, it was a major point and it was an easy fix. Um, but for the Israelis wanting to preserve their 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 profits in the coffee. I, I love coffee, but and I've had aroma coffee and a little chocolate and, you know, we've all had it and we love to support, et cetera, et cetera. But the customers did not know this. So how, how did that how did they navigate that with the coffee issue? Well, the concern was the price of coffee that the franchisees were paying for the product. And it was a, a in any coffee system, coffee, the sale of coffee is obviously a, a major item on on the uh, uh, source of revenue for, for one of these franchisees. And so if you can reduce the price to the franchisees one way or another, or if you can put money back into the system through promotion um, and, and marketing, which is what Earl wanted to do, to then increase revenue lines, um, the franchisees would have benefited. So it's a combination. And from Earl's efforts, they believe that they were able to obtain coffee product made by a respected manufacturer in Canada who would be able to provide coffee that the system would like. And there were some tests done um, with franchisees or obviously going to be um, a rollout of the products to make sure, of course, that they were well-received. Earl's instructions were always that the coffee has to be of, can, cannot go down in quality. But a lot yeah. have been closing and... Bathurst and Wilson in Toronto, the only kosher one closed in January. Square One closed, Queen Street closed, the Annex closed. What does this say about the success of this company in Canada to you? We are not actively involved in any way in the operation of the system, unfortunately. So we can only look at it much like you would look at it, but maybe with uh, a little more knowledge or sophistication in, in the actual business. But part of the growth of the system was a result of Earl's and Annette's relationship with landlords. And we are finding that um, there's a situation that has developed over the last several years where landlords are reaching um, a situation where leases are expiring and there are no rights to renew. And in the ordinary case, when you have a good tenant who, um, and, or you, you like the tenant's product or you have a good relationship with the tenant, uh, you'd be happy to provide a new lease or, or negotiate a new lease. But Aroma in Israel was not prepared to take on lease obligations with these, uh, with these landlords. And instead, they wanted Aroma Canada, which had held these leases through a subsidiary, uh, a different company called Aroma Group. And we wanted Aroma Israel to take over these leases if they were taking over the system that way, 
they would see what was going on between the subtenants and the landlords or be able to deal with the landlords, um, but they didn't want to do that. And so from our understanding, again, um, we don't know because we're not there. The landlords have been less than thrilled about continuing to deal with um, whoever the representatives are of Roma in Israel who are operating the Canadian system. And so if you can't get new or extended leases, then the franchisees have exhausted their term of their entitlement to their to occupy their premises and their businesses are, are, are at an end. Um, so it's uh, so I think it's it's a number of issues, um, um, but that's that's part of the problem that we know of. But um, I can tell you from from acting for many franchise systems uh, where we're on for many of the franchisors who also also had to do with COVID that their approach to COVID was very different from the one that um, the Israelis have taken to the operation of this particular system. We have seen many efforts made by franchisors to deal with landlords, to renegotiate leases, to do all kinds of things to try to improve the lot of their franchisees, to keep them going through COVID and to know the Canadian market really well and to, to try to, to have a, a partnership in effect with suppliers and landlords and the like to get these franchisees through this very difficult time. I, I have not seen the, the, the type of failures that we're dealing with here or closures that we're dealing with here. Okay, but what I guess I didn't ask it right, what I'm getting at is there's a $10 million plus, there's a lot of money that has to be paid by Israeli head office if they lose to the Canadian founders. Will there be other ramifications. What if that money, they don't have that money and they just say, fine, we're shutting down Canada. Goodbye. Are you worried about that? Well, no, not necessarily. First of all, from everything we understand, they should be able to pay it. And if they're honorable and they, they just respect the fact that they came to Canada, they did something that an arbitrator found was wrong, that there's amounts owing by them. If they're honorable people, they have the ways and means to pay the award. And, and, um, and if they do that, of course, then they've, they've satisfied their obligations under that award to Aroma Canada. Hopefully, that's what they ultimately do and don't impact the system and the brand and the consumers in Canada any further. But if they do not pay, then, of course, Aroma Canada has to take steps to try to enforce that award, which would mean taking enforcement steps. Um, but it's always, in, it's always in the hands of Aroma Israel to simply acknowledge their loss and do the honorable thing and make a payment and not further impact the Canadian franchisees, the brand or the consumers. Aroma's got a smaller footprint in Canada now. Ten stores have closed, including the Kosher Bathurst location, and recently Fairview Mall's kiosk did too. Aroma's Canadian franchises are now overseen by a new local management franchisor called Aroma Global. It's run by Elad Karen. He also declined to do an audio interview with us, but he provided written answers through his lawyer. Karen says while he can't talk about the ongoing court case, Aroma absolutely did help its local stores weather the COVID storm and the long lockdowns and closures and poured money into the Canadian cafes to renovate them, especially those who badly needed it, and to boost marketing efforts. And that's why he says customers shouldn't look at the recent closures as a sign Aroma's pulling out of Canada. After all, he says Starbucks closes locations all the time too. 
Aroma actually feels there's plenty of room to grow in the Canadian market, and they've opened a second location at York University, and a new one's opening at Fort York this month, complete with a high-tech self-service kiosk for placing orders, the ones that the Aroma Cafe shops have in Israel now, too. And as for the $10 million check, which, by the way, the Israeli side argues is excessive, and they claim to be out nearly as much money, too, the arbitrator's award money is still tied up in court. Franchise experts say the Aroma case should serve as a warning for international brands who want to dip their toes into the Canadian market to make sure they understand the local scene and pick the right people to run it. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality and customer care. We'll have more on the Aroma case when the judgment comes out. Thank you.